Hi, I'm Kevin Smith, and on January 21st, man, we're going to record the fourth episode of the ABCs of SNL with John Lovitz at the John Lovitz Comedy Club and Podcast Theater up at Universal City Walk. Eight o'clock, it's a Saturday night. We'll sit around, reminisce with John about memories of season three of uh, SNL. It's this historic era on SNL and famous people he met and some that maybe he loved. Come on up and see us. It's January 21st, 8 p.m. at the John Lovitz Comedy Club and Podcast Theater. The ABCs of SNL with John Lovitz himself and me interviewing him. Come on up, see episode four, and learn the ABCs of SNL. Ladies and gentlemen, live from Universal City Walk, inside the lovely John Lovitz Podcast Theater, it is the ABCs of SNL with Kevin Smith and John Lovitz. Welcome uh, to the uh, ABCs of SNL, where we learn how a very funny guy uh, who go- owns this very funny club got to be in a very funny place for a very funny period of time. Uh, but tonight, we're just going to talk to John Lovitz. Um, <laughs> thank you for being here. Uh, this is this is fucking thrilling. You're seeing a bunch of instruments around us. I wish that was for our set. Yeah, what is that? I this is for uh, Craig Robinson has a show tonight at midnight, an amazing show that he's got a, a full band. It's it's a good oh. show. It's going to put this show to shame. I, I mean, I knew. I was... <laughs> it's not but like my club, right? and I don't know what's going on. That's mm-hmm. true. You pay attention. You've, you're a singer, right? You've sang and like and stuff. Oh yeah, I've sung at Carnegie Hall three times. Well, one for was what? a charity. Uh, one was uh, the first time. Oh, it was a, a show called "Very Warm for May," which uh, Jerome Kern was, you know, huge uh, composer of musicals, and it was the last. Uh, <laughs> Musically wrote, or one of the last. It ran for 54 days. But they have, at the at Carnegie Hall, they have the main hall, which is like 2,000 seats. But then they have a smaller hall called Weill uh, Recital, Recital Hall, which is about 400 seats. Looks like a little jewel box. Mm-hmm. So I did a stage uh, a reading of this musical, and then they had opera singers for the chorus. And the, there's this very famous song, Very Warm for. Uh, oh, the play was called Very Warm for May. Okay. And the song, the famous song tonight is "All the Things You Are," and the play bombed, but that song became a classic. And they had opera singer. Wow, well, I don't know why that's funny, but anyway, <laughs> I don't think Jerome Kern thought it was funny. But uh, they had opera singers as the chorus. Right. This, I mean, the, so it was the best chorus you've ever heard ever in any show ever. Because I mean, it was incredible. And then because of that show, two years uh, later, they were doing a, uh, Ira Gershwin's 100th birthday uh, celebration, mm-hmm. and they had singers like Rosemary Clooney and Vic Damone, and anyway, the, the producer of that asked me to sing in that. So long story short, you sing. <laughs> yes, I do. Well, I've sung at Dodger Stadium, Carnegie Hall. Well, you've I'm on an album game? with Robbie Williams, who's the biggest rock star in Europe. We yeah, 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 Millennium yeah. Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. What did you sing on the album? Well, did you ever... Have you heard? Da, 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 I thought you were asking me a question. I was like, oh, and then you stop. You're like, well, no, that's the end of the song. And I was like, oh shit, Lovitz had a stroke right here. <laughs> that's the well, did you ever? What a swell party this is. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, but I can sing any style. That's, and that's the voice that you use when you sing? That's the one I use for that. Do you Here's have the to- one I use for opera. Oh, I 
meow. Here's the one I use for country. I got something up my butt, and it ain't you. <laughs> Uh, this is episode three of the ABCs of SNL. In episode one, we learned about how a young uh, man from Tarzana discovered uh, he had a, 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 a ability to make people laugh, wanted to get out there and, and act a bit. Um, and it took him all the way to SNL for auditions, and he got a gig. Episode two was pretty much all about uh, the first season. Lauren Michaels had returned after a five-year absence as producer of the show, took over, brought in a whole new cast, uh, which included you, as well as Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Randy Quaid, and a bunch of people that most people forget was on John Saturday Cusack, Night. Terry Sweeney, Denise Vance. At the end of that season, uh, he, the writers uh, and Lauren concocted a fire to end the, the, the season, not telling anybody who was going to be returning. So Yeah, I didn't even know. Yeah, in the credits roll, there was a question mark after everybody's name. But... <laughs> Um, but you were spared. You knew by the end of the sketch, because in the sketch, he's like... Uh, no, I actually, I didn't know. You and didn't I remember know. that summer, I got a deal to do a, a star in my, uh, a movie of my liar character, Universal. Okay. And, uh, but I remember that summer, I said, Lauren, am I, am I coming back? He goes, yeah, of course. I go, well, I don't know, because they would never tell you until like the last second. It was always a mystery. Just so that you could have an awesome summer? I guess. I don't know. But then they said, we want to get new people. Who do you work well with? And I was in the Groundlings Theater, <clears throat> so I recommended Phil Hartman and Tim Stack, who were like the king of the Groundlings, and who I really admired. They would have been there, the great guys, great performers. And then the, uh, the two women were Lynn Stewart, who's a, you know Miss, Miss Yvonne at the Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse, mm -hmm. and Tress McNeil, who's like amazing actress. But you'll see Tress's name in all the Simpsons. She's like right. the queen of voiceovers. So those are the four I recommended. They were older than me, and I, 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 you know, everybody looked up to them. They were the four best. And but anyway, Lauren ended up hiring uh, uh, Phil. So, and Lorraine Newman and Charles Grodin had recommended me. They also recommended Phil. So he came with strong recommendation, and he was the king of the groundlings. And yeah, he'd been there for eleven his... years. Uh, yeah, I remember uh, the first time he, he he was a big star in the groundlings because he he was the only, we were all broke. He had a house, he had a car, a new car. Right. He had, you know, a, a job, kid money. We'd, we were all dead broke. And I remember being, I got to understudy a play that he was doing for the Olympic Arts Festival. And he's walking down the hall, and I, I'd heard that it was his idea. Mm -hmm. So I said, uh, I said, I go, oh, hey, Phil, I'm John Lovitz. I'd never met him. And he goes, yeah, I know who you are, John. I go, you know who I am? Oh, yeah, I've seen your work. You're, you, I think you're fantastic. I go, oh, thanks. Well, thanks for, you know, recommending me to understudy this uh, Part. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll be great. And he walked on. And he was in his, like, dress like uh, Humphrey Bogart with the fedora and the trench coat. And he walked on. And I remember in my head, I literally thought, oh, my God, Phil Hartman spoke to me. That's how big of a star he was to everybody in the Groundlings. Right. And Tim Stack, was he was uh, um, on that show Son of the Beach. You know, right, he did right, that right. and Dirk, uh, the talk show host. And Tim was fantastic. But I said to Tim, I go, look, you were great, but didn't you think Phil was, like, amazing he, improviser? And Tim goes, yeah, yeah, he was on another level. He was just, you know, we'd sit on the floor in the Groundlings Theater, and then when they'd call, they go, all right, what's the situation? Uh, uh, <laughs> it could be anything, a shoe salesman and a customer, and lights out. And then we would all wait, and, just, and then the lights would come up, and Phil would just be sitting there, and everybody would be saying stuff, and he would just be, like, stewing. And we're just waiting for what is he going to say? And he, and he would just all of a sudden explode in anger. And, 
but it was hilarious. And you never knew what he was going to say, but it was always something hilarious and something you never expected ever. And everybody, every time it was just like, you know, their jaw dropped open. It was just uh, did he have hilarious. characters like you had characters? Like, did he come to SNL with a few? Of well, his biggest one was Chick Hazard, which was like, you know, a detective from the 40s, like a spoof on 40 movies. Right. But he only, he didn't really do it. I don't know why. I kept saying, why don't you do that? And one time I did a character, Eddie Spumoso, which was a, I did on the show, you know, a gangster from the 40s. And so we put Chick Hazard into that. But he, for some reason, he just, he didn't do it. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. So most of the characters he did on the show, they were written for him and he just did them right then. Like a pro. Okay. Yeah. So you recommend a bunch of people. Lauren uh, goes with Phil Hartman. These are the other people that join you for what was season 12 of Saturday Night Live, 1986 to 1987. This is the season that I have the most episodes of on VHS still. I recorded almost every one of these How episodes. How old are you? Uh, at this point, I'm 16. Oh. How old were you? Uh, 29. Were you? So you got... No, really? Yeah, now I'm 39. <laughs> well, I look 39. It's called Moisturizer. <laughs> All right, so you got saved. Uh, Nora Dunn got saved. She came back, and Dennis Miller. Right. Uh, Dennis was doing update. He was doing the update, so he was spared. Everyone else got axed. Here's who else joined the show. And I was wondering, maybe you just kind of give us a few words about each. Um, Victoria Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Victoria, sweet. You know the opening of the show when um, uh, they go... uh, they'll do the cold opening and they'll go they'll go live from New York at Saturday night and they'll go starring so and so and then they have that video montage yes so one of the, if you watch it at one point we're in a in a restaurant yeah and I remember we're in this restaurant and none of us had met Victoria and and she's talking and, and she's like yeah so anyway and she would just say we didn't know where we just met her she goes yeah, Victoria, I had a baby. I had to have an episiotomy because da 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 da. But, you know, where they cut your vagina when you're, cause, so that your baby can come out. I mean, she was just saying anything for like uh, like 20 minutes. And Dennis Miller's sitting next to her and he, and he just goes, he'd never met her. And she's just going, Mother, and he just goes, ah, it's all right. Like, are you like, are you like, are you retarded or are you for real? <laughs> this really. <laughs> And, but they got along great. You know, we all loved Victoria. She was really, really sweet and really, really funny and great actress. Okay, Jan Hooks? Uh, Jan, I was excited. I'd worked with her before. Oh, this is one of the first jobs I ever got. It was on, on the Playboy channel. It was called 29 Minutes. Okay. And it was a sketch show, and Jan was on it. And then it was like two years before that, and then she, <coughs> she quit. She didn't like it. But I'd worked with her before. That was the difference. This cast... The cast before, they were so talented. I mean, Robert Downey Jr., Joan Cusack, Randy Quaid, Terry Sweeney, Denitra Vance. But this cast was all, they all had a, more of a comedy background. And they're all in their late 20s to early 30s. And everybody had worked with somebody at some point. Now, like I'd worked with Phil. In the, well, anyway, like Dana Carvey. And then he helped Kevin Nealon get on the show. And they were friends from stand-up. And I knew Jan. And Dennis knew Kevin and Dana. You know, everybody kind of knew each other. And that's how they pulled the team together. Just a lot of suggestions. Well, it was it was like the original cast. You see, if you notice, it's, it's the, you have the regular players. It's like five men and three women. Mm-hmm. And that was the cast pretty much for the next four years. Except Mike Myers came in in, in the last like 
year, I think year uh, four or five of, five of my... And Kevin Nealon went from <coughs> featuring to being a part of the cast itself. Yeah, Kevin did. But, but Kevin was... Um, he was a feature player, but it really didn't mean anything. I mean, it meant he wrote, and he also he was in the show a lot, and then they just made him part of the regular. But he was like he was a regular anyway. And then, and then, so then you had after A. Whitney Brown, who I'd written The Liar with, and Whitney was on Update, and then you had A. Whitney Brown and Al Franken as feature players. Who's now about- Senator Al Franken. <laughs> yeah, what happened, man? That dude went places. You, not so much. <laughs> You ever think about going into politics? Well, you went places, like the pizza parlor. (laughs) No, I I never did think about politics. No, Al's, you know, Al's a Harvard graduate. He wrote all the political sketches. I mean, he's really bright. He does research. I mean, he really knows what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know. I just read the news and have an opinion, but no, I couldn't be a politician. Sure, you, you have to could. you have to lie a lot. And I'm not saying Al lies, but you know they lie constantly, which is ironic because my liar character is the worst liar ever because I hate lying. Right. I hate it, so I'm really mocking it. So that way, you couldn't be a politician. No, I couldn't. I remember I did my liar character, and I had a lawyer who said, "You know, your character is very popular in Hollywood." I said, "It is. Why?" He said, "Because everybody lies." And I said, "They do." <laughs> That's how they, of course, show business, everything's a lot. I mean, they, they, that's all they do is a lot. And everyone knows it, but I had no idea. None. Um, all right, Dana Carvey, last guy on the cast we didn't talk about. Had well, you ever Dana, met him before? No, I'd never met him. And I remember Phil and I met him in, at, a, at our uh, Brillstein, uh, Bernie Brillstein's office in Brad Gray. And we met him, and he was just, and we, he was really nice. And I remember uh, Phil and I left. We go, oh, I hope that Dana guy gets the show. He's so nice. Mm. And then, this is a funny story. So I'm in my, uh, I get an office this time. I had, before I was in a cubicle, like a space, but now I got my own office. And so Dana comes in my office and he sits down. I don't really know him at all, except that one time I met him. And I go, I go he goes, hey, I go, oh, hi. And he goes, listen, I want to write a sketch with you. I'm going to hitch my wagon to a winner. <laughs> I'm like, what? Who are you? And he kept saying it. it was a joke. You know. How big was your office? How much space do you have in, in 30 Rock? It, well, it, it was, um, I don't know. What, it, maybe it was, it was like a jail cell. It was about 10 feet wide. It wasn't very big. But I had a desk with a window and then the couch, uh, about a, you know, a three-person couch. It was a comfortable couch. But, but width-wise, it was like, I don't know. 15 feet, no, maybe 15 feet long and 10 feet wide. It, wa- it wasn't very big. Did you share it or was it so No, I had my own, but I was thrilled to get it. And then Phil had the office next to me, and his was, used to be a double office. And I was like, oh, he gets a bigger office than me. It's my second year. But they wanted us to share an office, and I wanted my own office. You know. But that's the office I had. But I was thrilled. And the funniest thing is that when Chris Rock, I, I met him with Eddie Murphy at this restaurant. Columbus, we'd all hang out. And Chris was 19. And Eddie goes, John, this is my friend Chris Rock. And Chris, he's like standing up all shaking, like waving, going, hi. So when Chris finally got the show, um, I had just left. And so I was there, and he goes, oh, man, I wanted to work with you, you know. And then he was, they were giving him a tough time on the show, and he was doing that X. And I go, I said, listen, that's the fun, because he messed up one sketch. I go, so what, you messed up one sketch? I said, that X, that's the funniest thing on the show right now. You're hilarious. And then he goes, I don't know. And then he goes, do you have any advice? And I said, yes. He always reminds me of this. I said, yes, you have an office in Rockefeller Center. You have an office in New York. Use it. 
And then I forgot that I said that, and he always reminds me. <laughs> but, you know, you have, but you think about it. You have an office in New York for free in Rockefeller Center. Yes. I mean, it's pretty amazing. You know, otherwise you'd be paying, what, three, four hundred thousand dollars, you know, what, two hundred thousand a year to have an office? So your advice is sublet it. <laughs> yes. Use it. And he, he always, you can ask him, he always remembers it. And he did, and you can use it. Um, all right, man, so that's the entire cast, and you guys go on air. Uh, looks like uh, October 11th, 1986, with Sigourney Weaver as the guest. Now, before that launches, since you're one of the remaining cast from the previous season, do you talk to anybody that got shit-canned, and is there any resentment there? Are there people like I what? hadn't spoken to them, but I remember they were disappointed. I, mean, I was friends with Joan, and she really wanted to come back. And I felt weird that they weren't there. It was like being in school and all your friends are gone. I, I felt awkward. I felt... I didn't know... I mean, I, I knew Phil. Other than that, I, re- I met Jan once. I didn't, and I knew Nora and Dennis, but I didn't know the other people. It felt weird that they weren't there. I remember missing them. I wishing they were there. I didn't, it was awkward. You know, you had to get... It was like you were in a new group. And I remember also I became famous by then. Or not totally famous, but I was known. Right. So I went to Lauren. I remember saying, well, what do I do now? Do I write differently? I mean, I had no concept of what it was. Because when you're famous, it doesn't really mean anything. You don't, everyone got crazy, you know, and like, now I was the great, and I'm in love with you, a girl, and you know, everyone went nuts. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? I'm the one that got the job, and everybody's going crazy. <laughs> and a, a friend of mine sent me a book. It was a, a quote from Kirk, Kirk Douglas. It was a book of quotes, but his quote, he underlined it and said, he said, uh, when you become famous, you don't change, everybody else does. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I didn't never get a fat head. I'm from Tarzana, you right. know what I mean? Land of the apes, how can I get a fat head? <laughs> you know, and I wanted to enjoy it as somebody from Tarzana. Right. I wanted to go, if I ever get famous, I'm going to say, hey, I'm on, I was on where you were, now I'm on the inside, it's, you know, hey, I'm just a regular guy. But people don't treat you like that, you know, and you're like, all right. What's a, what is the do chicks suddenly become more interested? What was the action? Fuck yes. <laughs> what was the action like Times before? Ten. Really? So pre SNL, how how often? Are you I would I would you know the truth is I I, I had to do a play in uh, also in 1985 before I had the show and I had to wear a speedo, and this girl uh, a friend of mine had dated and then she like dumped me and I was really upset and then and she said something horribly mean to me like. You know, the thought of this nerd lying next to me and touching me is repulsive. Yeah. Well, who was she talking about? You? Yeah. Well, and I was like crying, and then she's like, "Why don't you break up? I love you. I love you." Well, she goes, "Well, we don't have any fun. You know, we can stay friends, but we don't have any fun, and I'm not really interested in you. You know, uh, I'm not physically attracted to you, and I don't really want to have sex with you anymore. And the thought of this nerd lying in bed touching me is repulsive." So I said, oh, come on, give me a reason. <laughs> so she says, well, I want to be with a man, not a boy. So I said, well, I have news for you. I am a man, and you're just like a nerd butt. <laughs> I suggest you grow up, you poo. <laughs> yeah, MR. Was she, she still there when you said that? Or no, that I said time? that in my act later on. <laughs> That's what I thought of to say afterwards. Right, so that was pretty. But she said that, and I, I, I was crying, and she was nerd lying next to me is repulsive. And I went, yeah, but I had to I was like, Scooby-Doo, because it was so mean. I'm like, well, I don't buy that. So I had to be on stage in a Speedo, and I go, I'm going to work out so much. There's, a, there's nothing she can say. I'll just be like cut and ripped. And I did it, believe it or not. And I was completely ripped. 
that changes women. You get you get built, and then all the girls on the ground go, "John's sexy." I'm like, "Huh?" Just because I I got fit, you know. But yeah, women. Yeah, my friend who was friends forever. The day I got the job, she goes, "Okay, now, now I'll sleep with you." After like wanting her for seven years. Get like, what am I gonna? Oh, now was, you're jumping all over the place. Like, well, my friend asked. was like, "Now, now I'll work out with you." No, now I'll, I was a girl. She goes, "Now I'll." And did you? I said, well, do you love me? She goes, well, there's only one way to find out. I'm like, well, I'm moving to New York, you know. So three nights later, I'm fucking her. And, <laughs> well, what would you do, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah and then she became my girlfriend, but it was, it was uh, So you had a girlfriend easy. in the beginning? <laughs> well, then, but it, we'd always fight. I didn't really trust her, you know, because... Okay, so then you get on us and... Yeah, everyone, she, the day you get the show. Yeah, oh, SNL, yeah, well, there's this restaurant, Columbus, and then there was all these women there. And I said to her I was going to date other girls because I live in New York, so I didn't really cheat on her. But the women were, oh, it was, yeah, it was fantastic. Well, they were just everywhere, you know. All right, they were everywhere. Yeah, I'm 29, but... I'm on Saturday Live, I'm famous, and girls go, hi. I'm like, oh. <laughs> But know. did it go any further than hi? Or like, did you make the move and they're like, I'm not, I'm, Well, what do you want to know? Okay, one girl I kissed, one girl I ate out. Is that what you want to know? <laughs> well, what the fuck, Kevin? <laughs> It's a podcast. Oh, I want details, dude. I just gave it to you. That was it? That was the... By the way, the whole floor, they take care of my pets, my cats. Hold on. Yeah. Speaking so they're of used pussy. to this talk about pussy. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, you are filthy. All right, man. So One girl show... I had sex with, you know, I didn't fool around a lot, but it was, yeah, it went up better. People go, well, is it, is it, would you, is it better being a movie star? Than not. I'm like, well, of course. I used to work in a hospital wiping people's butts as an orderly. No, no, I'd rather go back to that. <laughs> and people go, well, do you get treated differently because you're famous? I'm like, fuck yes. <laughs> yes, you do. I don't, you know. I mean, it's, it's you know, you know it, it, it but I, I don't take do it as the quality it, of me. Do I'm, you think it fucked you up a little bit? <clears throat> no. No, I think it fucks other people up. They yeah. have trouble with it. Yeah, it's I their don't. fault, not yours. It's not my fault, but I don't have a problem with it. They do. They get nervous, or they get, or they get resentful, and all of a sudden they're mad. And you're like, huh? Or they, or some, some don't. It's, it's a, it depends on the person's character. If a person's, you know, uh, knows who they are and they're solid within themselves, and I'm just, hey, how are you? And they go, oh, it's John. They're fine, you know. But if they're insecure about themselves, it, it causes problems. You know? Now at this point, are you living at the office twenty four seven? Do you? Have oh your- God, yeah. I was writing till, well, mon- Monday we, you know, you meet the host at six o'clock, and then you go home. And then Tuesday you come back about four, and you just like bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. You go to dinner. People start writing at ten at night, and then I would be there till seven in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I was there with the sun was back up. I'd go home, go to sleep, come back at uh, <coughs> about two thirty. Have read through from three to five, go home, go to sleep. Yeah, so I was in the building constantly. And you had, last time we talked, you were living at somebody's apartment. For season two, did you get your own place finally? No, I had my own place, but I was in a studio. Okay. It was William Styron's daughter, the author William Styron, his uh, producer in the show Dynamite, it was friends with her. But it was, I was on 72nd Street. It was a nice neighborhood across from the Dakota, but it was like a studio. Mm. So I was still living in a... I mean, I didn't even have a kitchen. It was just a hot plate in the, in, the, in the closet, which I never used. So I was living on a mattress. Yeah, after my first year, I had no, I had fifteen hundred dollars in my bank account. Right. So I had going no money because uh, 
business manager, he like cut him. I said, I can't work with you anymore. So he cut himself a check to cut my money. I had no money. What do you mean? All the money you'd made that season? Well, I I, I didn't have much. We were I was getting like rent was a thousand dollars a month, and I was okay. getting maybe thirty five hundred bucks a show. But then that's less taxes, less your age, and less your. I all I remember is I only had a thousand dollars in my bank account once when I was in high school, and once when I was. Um, after college, I had to move. I said to my dad, he was your owner. I go, well, I have to move back home and work. I go, I'll save my money, and then I'll get my own place. And they said, okay. So I stayed at home about six months, saved my money, and moved out. And I had $1,000 then. That was it. So I remember I had my checks. I wouldn't cash them. And I went to the bank, and I was deposited $5,000. And I had been living on basically $600 a month for seven years. So it was... So I was eating like 19 cent chicken pot pies. I mean, I was. You know, I lived in New York for a year. I was eating, for dinner. I'd have a, a can of chili and a slice of cheese and water. I mean, that's how I was living. So five thousand dollars to me, it was so much money that I, I remember deposited and I literally felt nauseated. Why? I thought it was going to get stolen or something. Because it was to me, it was so much money. I was just overwhelmed by it. Well, I mean, I was dead broke. I grew up nice. I didn't grow up poor at all. Right, right, right. But after college, my dad was a you know a doctor, and I went to private high school and college. But after that, he goes, you're on your own. And it was the best thing he could have done for me. I didn't realize it because it forced me to make something of myself. And everyone else, my sister got money. One of them, they didn't do anything. A friend of mine, his he he didn't get any money from his parents. He became a, a, um, a, a second a, a unit director with Brian De Palma and all his movies, shot mm-hmm. all his stuff. And... Uh, but one of his brothers got money, never did anything. And everybody I knew that was in New York, they were drama majors from Carnegie Mellon, and their parents paid their rent so they could act. They never did it. None of them. So the 5,000... They all quit at some point. Because 5,000 was all the more sweeter because it was all yours. Everything yeah. that you earned off of Yeah, it was all mine. And, and, and I, if my dad had done that, I, I wouldn't have done it. Because it's just too hard. Right. So if you go, I don't get my act together, I'm going to be doing these shit jobs for $5 an hour the rest of my life. I had no other training, you know... So I was an orderly in the hospital. I was a messenger when I got Saturday Night Live. Your dad, he played a role throughout your entire career, man. Um, well, yeah, Mallory Bernelli was in <laughs> uh, an episode in February 1987. And in a sketch in that episode, you played kind of your dad, no? Yeah, I did, because he wanted to be an opera singer. So I wrote a sketch. And it wasn't, it was kind of funny, but Lauren, uh, he would often put like, it was kind of dramatic, too, so he put... The dramatic sketches at the very the very last sketch of the show it didn't have to be a huge funny one, and anyway I played it. My dad wanted to be an opera singer, but he became a doctor. So I wrote a character where I, I was basically him and and Valerie Bertinelli was my nurse. And uh, but you have to make it funny. And my dad was a great doctor, but I had to make it funny. So I like a patient would come in and go, I my finger hurts, and I go where? He goes here, and, and then I like squeeze his finger, and I go, oops. And the guy goes, what? I go, well, I, I'm sorry. There was a blood clot in there, and I accidentally released it. And fortunately, you're going to be... And the guy would drop dead. <laughs> and then the nurse would go, is he dead yet? I go, that's not funny. I go, just get in here. And all my pa- I would just kill all my patients. <laughs> and then finally, a guy comes in. I had Phil play at this like, famous... It's, I just made it up. An Italian guy, and he was a famous opera teacher. Okay. So, and I go, I know you. You're that famous opera coach. I go, well, I always wanted to be a singer. Could I... Can I sing for you? And he goes, and he, I go, what's wrong? He goes, I'm having heart problems. I go, and then I, I go, could I sing for you? Okay. So I'm singing for him. He goes, well, sing La Donna Mobile. All right. And I'm singing for him. And as I'm singing to him, he's, like, he's having a heart attack. And finally he's dying. And he goes, oh, my heart, my heart. I'm like, my voice, my voice. <laughs> could I have been an opera singer? Yes, you could have made it, you know. And then, so then he died. 
and then and, and then she goes, is he dead yet? I'm like, you just get in here. You know, I go, yeah, he died. I go, but I could have been an opera singer. And then Valerie Bertinelli goes, oh, doctor, you know, you finally know. You know, and that was for my dad. Right, know, right, right. Did he see it? Yeah, you know, but he just, he didn't mention it. He's fucking asshole. <laughs> I had to scream. I go, didn't you see that sketch I did? And Yeah, I go, well, you know. What did you think? He goes, well, I had tears in my eyes. I go, well, that's a gift. What do you want, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. He's Why dead do you have now, to be but... so hostile in giving a gift? That's a gift. What do you want? Well, because he never mentioned it. Right. Ever. Yeah. That's you know, how you treat like, people that you give a gift to. I just to. did a like, sketch about you on national television. They, well, imagine you buy someone a car, and they, never, they don't ever say thank you. They don't mention it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to ask them, did you get the car? Yeah. Well? <laughs> oh, okay, fine. Thank you. You know what I mean? You go, oh, I'm sorry. Was there, when did you ever get that moment where he's like, oh my God, somebody came up to me and said this and, and uh, did a Yeah, he would say, he goes, oh, people come up. Because in the Valley, he was like being with a famous person. Whatever we'd go, even in New York, anywhere we'd go, people come up, oh, Dr. Lovitz, Dr. Lovitz. He had a huge practice. You know? mm-hmm. But he goes, yeah, I love it. Oh, you're Do- John Lovitz's son. I go, well, do you like it? He goes, I love it. So, you know, he, you know. He had both sides, you know. <laughs> what does that mean? That sounded vaguely dirty. Well, he, 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 he would be very loving and he'd be very abusive, you know. That's Not like so Daryl Hammond. That was horrible. Daryl was like, like, that's torture. What do you mean? Daryl Hammond, did you hear about that? Yeah. But you're saying your dad wasn't like Well, that. no, he didn't do that. No, Daryl's mother stabbed him, electrocuted him, did all that shit. I didn't know that. You didn't hear that? No, I did. Yeah, you I, just I never really it. feel like bringing that to a comedy show. <laughs> well, I mean, Let's... my dad would do that, but it would be like, you know, he goes, tell me a joke. And if it, wasn't, if it was funny, I wouldn't, he, I wouldn't get a shock. <laughs> uh, no, I never had that. That's horrible. Episode one of Sigourney Weaver. What do you remember about her? About it? Oh, she was just beautiful and super nice. I had a crush on her. Just some aliens. And... Were you like Ripley? Yeah, well, we all were. Yeah, she was gorgeous and tall and beautiful and nice. And and you did Tommy Flanagan. Yeah, I don't remember what I did that show, but I, yeah, I did that. It was the first. It was the first season. It was the first episode back. Madonna was on it. They did a sketch in the beginning where they pretended like the whole previous season didn't happen. She called it a horrible, horrible dream. Oh, yeah. Well, they did, that's the first thing they wrote, Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live Dead. And, right. I mean, they were just ripping the show. I remember TV Guide that year. We had done 11 shows. And by then, my liar character was like, the whole country was imitating it. But he only talked about the first three shows and said, nothing's working. And I'm like, it, it, it really wasn't fair. <laughs> I didn't think. Hmm. Okay. You see here, you got the liar in church chat. Yeah. For the first time, and Mr. Subliminal, and those all became uh, and ongoing, and, uh, ongoing, and, and Dana did chopping broccoli. So that first Chop show had a lot of was on that stuff episode, that really right? hit. Yeah. We're singing chopping broccoli. Chopping broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, man. Next show was. Mom. Oh, and I remember this. What? When the show season started, Lauren comes up to me and goes, "By the way, John, he goes, you're going to have a lot of competition this season." Like, what do you mean? He goes, well, it's going to be a lot harder. So right away, they were setting us up, you know, against each other. And they would set the writers and the cast, you know. And Dana and I would talk about it. And it was very, very competitive. And he was one of my best friends, you know. But we said, well, at least we're talking about it, you know. So you guys would talk about being competitive. Oh, yeah. We go, it's there. I mean, it was. Because, you know, look at Wednesday, there'd be 30 to, say, 40 sketches. Mm -hmm. Eight get on the air. So 32 are cut. 
and the writers are trying to get their stuff on the air, right. and then we're supposed to write, but they, they don't want to pay us to write, but you're supposed to write, but you're not really a writer. I mean, you know, it was nuts, but but if you didn't it if you didn't write for yourself, then you were just hoping the writers wrote for you that week or not. So it was just constantly trying to get on airtime. That's what the show became about, really. Does Doing your shows and getting it on way? air. Does huh? it still function that way? I don't think as much. I was just there with Dana. Um, he hosted, and, and it seemed like they all got along. And I'm like thinking, they're the new guys. They've been there eight or nine years already. Right. I was like, oh. But, and they couldn't have been nicer to me. I met Kristen Wiig. I was excited to meet her. And she goes, oh, I waited on you when I was a waitress. I'm like, you did? I don't, you know. And uh, they were all super, super nice. You what know? kind of tipper are you? What kind of tipper? Mm. Well, it depends when, when, the, when I went in the restaurant. When I was broke, right. not very good. <laughs> Why would she recognize you when you were broke? Presumably, if she recognized you, you Well, that's famous. a good point. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you have a good point. Are you Tipper, 15, am I? You where are you going to go, Jew? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I was just curious. Good Lord. I didn't know what would I go had 20%. That. You know. Yeah, really? Yeah, that's good. What are you supposed to do? 15? I do 50. 50? Yeah, yeah. That way I get a tax. Yeah, but where do you eat? McDonald's? Good <laughs> night. And they're always happy when I tip because nobody else does. So fuck tip you. Tip them a dollar. That's more than any they've ever done. Uh, episode two, Malcolm Jamal Warner. Uh, Jamal Warner. That was when uh, Ron DMC was on the show. I was very excited about that. It was the first time they had a rap act on the show. And... Um, and that was when Sam Kinison came on, did a piece of stand-up, and he crushed with it, but they bleeped him on the West Coast. I think he was joking about weed or something like that, and they bleeped him. Was that or Jesus nailed to the cross? Yeah, yeah, that's right. He was like, well, yeah. Here's my Jesus. He was like, ah, ah, screaming. I remember I, I, uh, this girl, Layla Nabalsi, was a, was a producer in the show, and she brought me to a comedy club to see Sam. And I'd never heard of him. And we were sitting in the back. I think it was a, a Catch a Rising Star in New York. And it was really something. I was like, she goes, he's so funny. So I'd never seen him. So I, we're in the back. I'm literally like crying laughing. He was so funny. But half the audience is dying laughing. And the other half, their jaws dropped open in shock. And I remember these two girls in the front, they were just like, because, you know, he's going like, hey. <laughs> he goes, you know how you eat pussy? He goes, just do the alphabet with your tongue. <laughs> you know, and their jaw dropped open, you know. And, and, I mean, then he goes, here's Jesus on the cross. No, no, no. Oh, oh, you know, and screaming. And I mean, he had the bit where it was so just, like wrong, but they it's just talk so about funny. They're like, he's like, there's always a bunch of Christians around the cross, and they're like, it's a shame he has to die. And he's like, well, I wouldn't have to if you get a ladder and some fucking pliers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Sam was a preacher, you know, so yeah. he was really talking. It wasn't like he was anti-religion. That was his background. He seemed way into way into it. Like uh, he, he, I mean, I of course never met him as years before I did anything, but he seemed very into celebrity and being in that world and whatnot. Yeah, he lived it up. I mean, he was a super. He was nothing like that off stage. He was a really nice guy. I'd met his family. They're all his brother, his mother. They're all super nice people, and he was the nicest guy. Very polite, you know. I remember when he hosted, and I knew him, so I like lifted his cap. He always wore a beret. Well, I didn't know he wore it because he was losing his hair, and he got really mad. He was, God damn it, don't take my fucking hat ever again, you know. I'm like, all right, Did he yell at was he like, ow, ow? No, but he like yelled at me, and, I'm, and he got really mad. I'm like, sorry, you know. Really? Yeah, I was just doing like a little joke, like, bleep, I got your hat, you know. 
And then I saw, oh, he's losing his hair. Was there, uh, when he hosted... But he was a super nice guy. He hosted a couple weeks uh, later, a week... Uh, yeah, he was such a sensation on the show, and then they, they had him come back and host. But they and had... the censors were very worried about him. Seven seconds delay. It was one of the only episodes. There's three episodes they were delayed long, and that was the one of the longest delays, I guess, because they were worried he'd curse again. Uh, the next week was Roseanne Arquette, and that's where he did the sketch. Oh, but I want to say, the oh, Malcolm right. Jamal Warner show, I'm looking at this... And there's two well one the sketch Johnny O'Connor. What is that? And that was that sketch was like Phil and I um, were always doing that forties thing. So that was like our favorite sketch. Like if you said, Phil, what was your favorite sketch you ever did on the show? He'd say this one. Mm-hmm. And I played like a uh, it was like a spoof of those you know movies from the forties. And I'm a head of a studio and and uh, and I have to let go of Phil. He's like he's a plays a World War Two. He's an actor playing a World War Two pilot, and he's and he's. Does all these war movies and now he's gone crazy. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have to let you go. Because, you know, if you're unhappy with my work, tell me now. You're the worst actor I've ever seen. I get 500 letters a day telling me the same. What's the word on the street? You know, and, <laughs> and he, he's, it, it's, it's really, I don't know, I'm very proud of that sketch. We wrote it together. Did, were you competitive with him too? And had no, to get no, on? no. No, he was my idol. I wasn't competitive with him at all. But was he was he angling to get Saban, or people just wrote? No, he was just so good. You know, he could play anything. So they, what happened is we we're all trying to get on the sketch uh, on the show more, mm. and I was going, I need you know, I have three sketches, or I have two, you know, I had a lot to do on the show. I did, you know, one week I didn't. I thought my career was over. That's what it felt like. Is that a general feeling? Like yeah, everybody. Yeah, if you didn't have much to do in the show that week. It didn't feel like you're, you didn't have much to do in the show. It felt like your career was done. Every week, you, you, every week you really were auditioning again to be on the show again every week. Right. You, you, you never had anything guaranteed. You didn't have any regular parts. Unless Lawrence said, hey, let's do this character this week. You just were, every week you're like re-auditioning and fighting to get on the, on the show. How did you handle that, man? Because what kind I of I didn't. I gained 50 pounds. Like, really? Yeah. Is that you coped by eating? Yeah, that's what I did, because I don't drink or take drugs, so I'd have a piece of cake every night. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, I mean, I gained 10 pounds every year. I gained, like, I was 155 when I got the show, and by the time I left, I was, like, 200. I mean, I just gained weight. I just bloated up. I remember Lawrence said, because we already have one fat guy on the show, John. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just kept gaining weight. Um, and that was your coping mechanism? I think so. And sex. <laughs> um, Roseanne Arquette Lots and lo- You played uh, the devil in a people's court sketch Which is one of my all time faves Yeah that's a fa- that's like yeah people love that sketch But Jim you, Downey wrote that who, who was the head writer and wrote all the political stuff and Had you played the, the devil up now. till then or no? No that was the first time I played the devil And Jim uh, uh, this girl, Pam I forget her last name But Pam was the head costumer later she and Jim later they end up getting married and then divorced and a kid but anyway Pam was the head costumer so she's going to play the devil so she has a costume she goes what about this and it was just this like $13 cheap costume for a kid you know with the fake horns and a plastic pitchfork it didn't look real at all and I go that's hilarious it's like making no attempt at all right. <laughs> And I go, let's do that. And then I was kind of, Im- you know, I always Im- imitating somebody. So I was kind of imitating, you know, when Sebastian Cabot was on the Twilight Zone and played the devil. Uh-uh. You don't know that one. Uh-uh. You know. Well, anyway, it, I was he he like, hello, come in. And he, I was kind of imitating him, trying to you know, talk like this. <laughs> you know, and then 
anyway, it was it was a very funny sketch. But I always give credit to the writers. And Jan Hooks was uh, great in that sketch. Oh, and the funny thing about that was <laughs> was Phil played the judge. Well, on the show we have cue cards, right? We'd always watch the shows afterwards. So I'm, we're watching on Monday. We'd watch the show, and Phil's like. If you put the the trick is if you put the cue cards right underneath the lens, it looks like you're looking in the lens. Now sometimes they put them on the side, sometimes they put them on top, but then we put them underneath. But Phil thought he could get away with it, so he his head was. If you watch the sketch, his head you can go on I think SNL, um, Saturday Night website, and they have all the sketches. You can see it. But he's like, look, his head chin's down, and he's looking like this, and he's not even looking at me. He's just looking off, and it just looks really weird. And I look, I go, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I look at the card. I go, hello. You didn't get away with it. Look at that. I mean, he looked so odd. But we would tease each other. It was very fun. It was very funny. What are you doing? Um, the but you only learned how to work the camera the year before. You told us last time that you too were kind of like trying to beat the my camera first show. Right? Yeah, yeah, I was trying to beat it. Yeah, you didn't know. Yeah, I thought I could look at the cue card. They, they go use a cue card. So I thought I could look at it, look back, and the, no one would see it. Of course, you see my eyes darting. <laughs> And then that's when Penny Marshall goes, learn, called me, goes, learn your lines. So. Um, Robin Williams hosted the show uh, in November of 86. How was that, man? Did he stay on paper? Or well, that was thrilling. Him? I mean, I'd first, uh, I, I met Robin when I was in college. I did a sketch on my library steps, and then, and then I met him. No, this was nine months before he did Mork and Mindy. He wasn't famous at all. And he was next, and, and I, it was about 350 people. It was solar, solar Energy Day. It was Sunday, you know, as you and I said, uh, uh, I go, he goes, oh, he introduced me as a Nikki Lennon, the first comedian, stand-up comedian from Russia. So I said, oh, okay. So I introduced him, and then he was great, but no one knew who he was. And, and then to you know, have him be on the show then, I mean, he, he, it, was, it was fantastic. And I think the best sketch that he did, <coughs> where, oh, wait a minute, oh, I'm sorry. He did this sketch where he played, a, I played Shakespeare, uh-huh. and, and he uh, played Hamlet. And yeah. Al Franken wrote it, but he was Hamlet, but he was, he was, you know, Robin improvises. So he kept improvising, you know, and I'm like, you know, you're ruining my play, you know, and stop improvising, you know, Shakespeare. Well, at, believe it or not, at the same time, and I was friends with Penny Marshall, and I stayed at her house for the summer. So she, at the time, was uh, dating A. Whitney Brown. So she calls us up, she says, what are you guys doing? I go, we're here at the show. She goes, well, she was, she goes, what, come by. She was casting the movie Big. But this was before Tom Hanks. You know who was supposed to play the part? No. Robert De Niro. <laughs> You're, really? Yes. I'm not kidding. So she says, come on, well, meet me here. So I go up, we go up to her office and she says, she goes, John, uh, would you mind reading a scene with Robert De Niro? I'm like, hell no. I go, she goes, would you do it? I go, fuck yes. Are you kidding? So I, I don't know where I would get that bravado from, but I would just, anybody, I go, yes, I'll do it. And then Juliet Taylor came in, and she said, this is Juliet. And I go, Juliet Taylor, she cats all of Woody Allen's movies, you know, who I analyzed. Anyway, so I got to do the, read the scene with Robert De Niro, and that's the first time I met him. And he goes, oh, I saw you on the show with Robin Williams, and, I, you know, you were playing Shakespeare, and I thought your acting was really fantastic, just a fine piece of acting. I'm like, God, well, thank you, you know. Well, I'm a, you know, that coming sounds like a made-up story, man. It's not. Yeah, you're like, and then Robert, Robert De Niro told me I was a good actor. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it may sound like it, but it isn't. Because we established earlier, I don't lie. Do you get that a lot? Did you get it a lot from people, uh, actors, real actors, complimenting you on 
the characters, like people who you admired. They, well, they liked the lar- Oh, yeah, I remember going in this restaurant, and, uh, and Christopher Walken, I never met him, and he saw me, and he goes, oh, the devil, you know. And I remember when I first saw him, he just looked scary as shit. You know, I was afraid of him because his hair, he wore all black, his hair stuck straight up. And he didn't say much. He goes, the devil. And then I got to know him and I've become friends with him and he's hilarious, you know. Or I walked in the same restaurant. It was a restaurant. Everybody would just hang out. I walk in there and I saw Sean. I met Sean Penn briefly when Madonna hosted the show. But then I walked in, he was there and he goes, oh man, that liar character you do, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen, you know. And this yeah, they liked it. And then most of the actors, they liked Master Thespian because it was an actor and they liked acting, you know. Right. And, it was, and it was like kind of spoofing acting, but, but, but they, they liked it, you know. Okay, after that, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, Martin Short came on for uh, The Three Amigos, which you were in, too. You got a part in it, right? What, are you a studio exec? Or yeah, I'm in the first scene. Well, one of the first scenes in the movie, uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're actors in the 20s. And there's a scene with the studio head, Joe Montagna, and his underlings, which are myself and, and, and Phil Hartman. Mm. And that was one of the first movies I did. And yeah. when you watch that, you'll go, oh, there's his son. <laughs> because you look all young. Well, I look very young, yeah, and very thin. What do you remember about working with uh, Steve Martin? Well, he's, I, m- I remember in Three Amigos, he was amazing. Mm. You know, uh, he, we were doing the scene with him, and it was like, he was so in control of, of how funny he could be. It was incredible. To the point where I thought it's like he has a dial on his chest. And he goes, where do you want? You want a two? You want a three? All right, let's do it again. All right, I'll dial it to four. Dial it to five, to six. What do you want? I mean, just complete mastery of, of, of his comedy. And, and hilarious, you know. And, that's and like- I remember I first met him and I go, I go, oh, Steve, I'm a big fan. He goes, of you? You know? <laughs> And he was super nice. And at the time, I had to call, or some, I was on the set, and they go, Lauren wants you to call him, because Lauren Michaels produced it and put me in the movie. So I had to call him. So Steve goes, well, you can use my phone in my car. And that was huge, because nobody had yeah. uh, uh, cell phones. And they had a fo- it was a brand new thing, a phone in your car. And I thought, oh, my God. he let-. I mean, I still remember it. I couldn't believe it. I go, he let me use his phone in his car? You know? And he had this Mercedes, and I, you know, I was just dead broke. I was just thrilled. And I go, "Do you want five dollars for the call?" I mean, it was expensive. <laughs> no, that's okay. I go, you sure? You're it's a up lot some of cash. money. Yes. And Martin Short was great, and Chevy. Well, we were just. And those are three dudes who had been on the show previously. So when uh, well, they were three old, legends, when alumnus yeah. come back. Was there? Is it a, like a big deal there, or the? Oh yeah, huge present? because uh, because you go like, oh, this is what the show was like originally. So this, in my mind, I'm like, this must have. Does it feel like what it did when you guys did it originally? Right. You know, and yeah, it was thrilling when Chevy would come back or, or any of the guys. And Martin Short was nice. I did a, a played uh, the devil with him. He was Ed Grimley and. And, but it was to promote that movie Three Amigos, so they had they had the three. I remember that you guys played uh, the triangle at the end of the sketch. Yeah, You're yeah. dancing and playing the triangle. Yeah, it was. I mean, they were. Yeah, the three of them couldn't be nicer. And I remember I have a speech in Three Amigos, and and the, they go tell them. I'm telling about their new movie, and he goes, uh, tell, or, or Phil, uh, Joe Montana goes, tell them about the new movie. New movie, and I go, Sandy and Irving are working on it right now. And you meet Code Cheeks. Well, they're cowboys. He's an Indian. You meet Code Cheeks. At first, you don't like him. You fight. Then you get to know each other. You respect each other. And by the end of the picture, you're friends. And uh, 
And, and anyway, it's something like that. And then I did it, and then they were imitating it the rest of the, of the day, and I was like thrilled. I go, they're imitating me. You know, it was great. Sweet. That is sweet. I like moments like that. You have a lot of those in your career. Well, I never take any job shows. for granted. I don't. I don't take anything for granted. I just feel very lucky that I'm, you know, worked, got to this uh, point, and still working. And you, because I, you never can walk through a job. As soon as you do, you're done. Because people go, oh, he doesn't have it anymore. Next. Um, Bill Shatner comes on around Christmas, and then you're, he does that very famous sketch where he says to you, he's like, you have you even kissed a girl? Yeah. And you look down. Oh, you skip. Well, you want to talk about that? That's up to you. We can. Uh, before before the Shatner show, there was a Steve Gutenberg show. And Lovitz wants to talk about it because there's a picture of him here uh, from the website, uh, snltranscripts.org. Uh, yeah. And it was a sketch where you and uh, Mark... No, is Mark Harmon or Gutenberg? Which no, Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg. What it was is... is uh, well, it, this was like people. They wrote letters about this sketch, but it was really funny. But basically, it was he's we're in his um, his apartment, and I'm blind, and he's pretending to be a girl, <laughs> and I'm in my boxers. He's like, "All right, well, let's just go to bed now." I'm like, "Okay," and I, I think I'm on a date, and then the lights go out, right? And all of a sudden, you hear me go, "Oh God, God, oh get away from me!" And the lights come back on. He goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I go, man, how could you do that? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I pretended I was a woman. I go, that's a horrible thing to do. I'm blind. How could you do that? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're right, you're right. Well, just go back to bed and I'll, I'll just sleep on the couch. I go, well, all right. And then, of course, he sneaks back into bed and the, <laughs> and the lights go out. And I go, God, again. And it kept happening. And then at the end of the sketch, we look at the camera and he goes, hi, I'm Steve Gutenberg. I'm John Lovitz. And the point of that sketch is, you know, if someone's blind, you, you just shouldn't do that to a person. <laughs> <laughs> it's just wrong. Yeah, right, John? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just wrong. And Al Franken wrote it, and it was just so funny. And there was no point to it but that, you know. People wrote letters complaining about it. <laughs> I was crying laughing. I thought it was ridiculous. Um, Bronson Pinchot. Hey, so wait a minute, wait a minute. What else did that? Oh, the alcoholic Christmas. Oh, no, I don't remember that one. We skipped the Shatner. Uh, well, let's go back to Shatner. Well, William Shatner. Okay, so you have to understand. So now, so when, on Wednesday, when they'd have read-through, we're in, the, well, it's a, <coughs> a big room, and there's four big tables pushed together. So, the, so Lauren's at, I, Lauren would sit at the head of the table next to the host, and then I would always sit next to the host, and then Dana was on my right, and around, the cast would sit around the table. And then the rest of the room, there's about 100 people in the room, the, different, the writers were all there, the, the uh, staff from all the different departments, sets, costumes, everything, the director, the cr crew, the camera people, everybody. So every week it's somebody famous, right? And I always used to look at Dennis, and he used to go, like, he does update, he goes, why can't I be in you know, sketches? I go, well, Dennis, you don't hang out. You're here on Friday writing update. I go, hang out on Tuesday, but he wouldn't do it. But anyway, so he'd always be kind of grumpy. He'd be somebody, you know, he wouldn't really be smiling. So anyway, William Shatner's hosting. I look around the table, all of us are just beaming, like huge. And Dennis is just beaming, like, like the biggest smile I've ever seen. Because why? Because it's William Shatner. But we're not thinking, oh, William Shatner's hosting. We're going, it's Kirk. <laughs> it's Captain James Tiberius Kirk. Kirk is hosting the show. And, 
you know, I was, what was this? I think I was tw 12 when the show was on the air. And I thought it was real. You know, I was so, and anyway, we were just thrilled. And William Shatter, I remember I went to see Jackie. I said, you want to go see a play? He goes, uh, Jackie Mason on Broadway, we went. And he, you know, it's funny, he's Jewish, you know, William Shatner. Mm -hmm. One of ours. <laughs> As is Leonard Nimoy. But, you know, you kind of like, you know, you kind of like go, oh, William Shatner's Jewish. We're watching Jackie Mason. He's saying the Gentiles, the Jews, da 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 da, and he leans in. And he goes, "It's so true," you know. And he had actually dated uh, my uh, my uh, second cousin. I go, "Oh, you know my cousin June." He was really nice. Anyway, he he opens the show and he goes, "Well, I'm hosting the show, and this next sketch, I just want to apologize to my fans, but it's pretty, you know, it's funny, but it's in good humor. So don't get mad at me. Here it is. So it was him. It's a very famous sketch. He's at a Star Trek convention. He goes. Welcome to the Star Trek convention. And Dane and I have like on the pointy ears and everything like Spock. He goes, you know, Star Trek was great. And uh, you know, I'm glad you're all here. And uh, I, I just want to say one thing. Get a life. <laughs> and it was like the very famous line, get a life. And he was like, what are you people doing? It was a silly show I made 30 years ago for three years. And then he points to me. He goes like, you, how old are you, 30? And I look and he goes, have you ever even kissed a girl? And I just go... <laughs> just drop your head. Yeah, and lower my head. That wasn't in the script, but I remember that little joke, was, and that got a huge laugh, and it was, it was really funny. And <laughs> All right, Bronson Pinchot. Bronson Pinchot, Balky hosts. Yeah, he was alright. <laughs> well, all I know is, oh, you, you see, wait a minute, where? Oh, we haven't gotten it yet. I'm all over the place. Well, Bronson Pinchot, he was okay. But I remember I worked on a master thespian sketch with him all week. And then finally we do it. And then, and then we get to dress rehearsal. And then, and then Lauren goes, Bronson doesn't want to do it. He says it's a high school sketch. I'm like, what? Well, I was really pissed because I worked on it so hard all week. And then about a five years. high school sketch? Yeah, five years later, I did it with John Lithgow. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Good enough for John Lithgow, you know. So it worked. Sometimes when you think something's bad, it worked out better, you know. Totally. Uh, Willie Nelson? Are you skipping, Walter? I'm not, dude. I'm going down the list. It's right here. You just have it spread across multiple pages. There you go. You're a multiple page. <laughs> Willie Nelson, dude. February 1987. Willie Nelson. No, look. You skipped Joe, Joe Montana. Willie Walter Nelson. Hey. Okay. You, yeah. Do you have anything? You told me upstairs. You're like, I ain't got anything. No, no. I got to, Joe, well, Joe Montana and Walter Payton was exciting because two, the two biggest football players in the NFL. No, no. I said it was great. And I said I, I did a liar sketch with Walter Payton, the nicest guy in the world. And like it, I said, it, you didn't have anything for that episode. I have a little thing. <laughs> um, all right. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, great guy. I remember, uh, I didn't know, it. He, you know, he'd known, he's famous, he smokes pot all the time, so I think he was high all week. But I remember when Monday, he's in the office, you know, and he sits, Lauren has a, 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 you know, his office with his desk, and there's a chair next to him where the host sits, and then everyone's just crammed in there on the couches and the floors. But Willie Nelson, he didn't have his, his long hair, but he didn't have a ponytail. And I mean, he was just so serene, and I think he was high. But he's just cool, and I remember thinking, oh, he's like Jesus. He had this quality about him. He was just so at peace. Did he do sketches and stuff? Yeah, he did. I remember I did. I, I don't remember what one I did with him. You know, admit this is like fucking 26 years ago. I don't remember. <laughs> this is great. We're doing a show about stuff I can't remember. But Willie Nelson, <laughs> he, was, he was a very... Uh, he was a very Bill uh, Murray came back and hosted? 
Yeah, Bill Murray was great. That was very exciting. All we have going. Do you have any? Can I ask you about advice on movies? And goes, yeah, yeah. So finally, I, I get in his room. I go, well, he goes, well, how's the show going? I go, oh, you have a lot to do. And he goes, you know, John, you complain all the time. You have the most. You're the most famous guy in the show. I said, yeah, but I, I, don't, I didn't have anything to do that week. Or I'm sorry. I go, you don't understand what it's like. You feel like your career's over. But he was super nice. And I go, well, do you have any advice on movies? He goes, yeah, you don't always have to take the lead. And I said, okay, thanks. And then, and then uh, I think I kind of took the advice too far. You know. <laughs> but he was great. That was just thrilling when a guy like that would come back. And I remember he did a, a, um, a sketch. I think it was a Sweeney Sisters, but he was in prison. Or no, he was doing that, that guy that sings. He was doing his guy, yeah. Yeah, and it was just Loud thrilling singing. just to watch him. And, you, you know, you're watching a guy who's so confident in, in his comedy and in the show, just like a master of the show. It was like, you know... It was fantastic just watching him work. And that's a touchstone to back to like the earliest seasons, which during this season, you guys, like about, probably about four or five in, started getting critics back on your side. They went from talking about Saturday Night Dead to saying like, oh my God, the show's sharp. You guys started doing political humor again. You started doing stuff with political humor that they hadn't done really heretofore or in, in years. Like they actually yeah, and Dana was Dana doing church doing, chat and that became a huge hit. Right, but in the politics stuff, uh, Dana was doing George W. Bush. Uh, or George, yeah. Well, that was George, in 80, George 80, H. Bush. 88. Wait, the other yeah. Bush. The early Bush. Old Bush. Old Not gray. shaved Bush. He was doing the old gray Bush. He was doing the old gray Bush. Um, but the old he was straight-haired gray Bush. Yeah. As opposed to like a tight curled meat curtains Bush. Um, yeah. He was doing that, but nobody like back in the day, Chevy would do Gerald Ford, but he didn't try to look like him or act like him. He just fell down and said, "Hey, this is Gerald Ford." Dana was doing an actual impression, actually playing. Yeah. And Phil, meanwhile, was also Phil was doing Ronald Reagan. Reagan. He played Reagan the, that year. There was a sketch where he does the very simple Ronald Reagan. Yeah, it was it was so funny because it was like, you know, they go Ronald Reagan, go, hello, how are you? And not very bright. And then so he, and then he'd go, all right, everybody out. And he goes, all right, everybody out. He goes, all right, let's get to work. And then a a panel would roll down in an office to be a map of the world. He goes, now we got to get the nuclear subs in this. And he's like a brilliant genius. And they go, Jimmy Stewart's here to see you. And you're like, oh, this is the part of the job I hate. <laughs> he goes like, hello, Jimmy. Good to see you. Hello, Duke. And Dana was Jimmy uh, Stewart. Hello, Duke. you know, Ron, how are you? Good, good, Jimmy. All right, well, goodbye. And he's like, oh, I just got here. And he goes, well, I know, but you got to go. And I go, no, but why are you being like this? He goes, Jimmy, don't make me kill you. <laughs> what? What the fuck? You know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Lithgow, really you got to do the sketch with uh, that Bronson Pitt show didn't do. How else was he, though? He's a really wonderful guy. John Lithgow is one of our favorite hosts, just the nicest guy in the world. Right. And that was the first time I did Match the Thespian with him. And I remember the first time I did it, I did it with him three times. The first time I thought, he's almost got it. Second time, because he'd never done it. Second time I go, well, he's completely got it, toe-to-toe with the style I'm doing. He's got the and the, the humor of it. Not that he's not a great actor, but he knew exactly what I was doing. <clears throat> the third time we did it, I'm like, oh, he's blowing me off the stage. <laughs> I mean, he was just fantastic. Just the nicest guy in the world. We all He was one of our favorite hosts. We all loved him. Uh, Mark Harmon, man. Uh, this is a noteworthy episode because you have your shirt off in it. Yeah, we did some sketch with some, like, male, I don't know, beauty contest. And then I'd worked out or whatever, so I'd actually was built better than Mark Harmon. 
well, just for that one show. <laughs> Mark Harmon's a great guy, though. I actually went to the same high school as him, and then I met him uh, through mutual friends. I saw him again, so it was thrilling. And I still know him. He's the, he's the nicest guy in the world. Great guy, no ego, like zero. Great athlete, great... Did you see Ted Bundy? He was a great actor, but that, that was really fun. Great and guy. Dennis Hopper, man. Dennis Hopper wrapped up your season, which I think was cut short by a writer's strike. No, the next season was. That was next season? Yeah. yeah fair enough. But uh, Dennis Hopper was a... Well, we were a you know, legend, and then he and then he made a com- big comeback, and he just... He was in that movie Blue Velvet, which was a big hit, and we did a spoof of that, you know, and he's playing that same character, and it always oh, called What's That Smell? <laughs> and I forget who the other two were, but I was playing Judd Nelson, and uh, I had a wig on, and then I had they gave me these things to put in my nostrils to make my nostrils extra big. <laughs> and I remember uh, Dennis Hopper going, "That's a pretty spooky honker you got there, Judd." <laughs> and then a week later, I ran into Judd Nelson. I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> he was like, "Did you see that?" Yeah, I go, "I was kidding. I was kidding." He goes, no, no, it was funny. I'm like, okay, okay. So by the time the season ends, you know you're coming back for next season. There's no more talk of like who's coming back, who's not coming back. Everybody was back. Oh, yeah. Cricks were on your side. Ratings were back. They almost canceled it. They were given a kind of stay of execution to do, I think, maybe 10 episodes of this season. If it was, if it worked, they'd keep it on. If not, they were going to get rid of Sarah. Yeah, and then, and also at the, in that September, they announced the Emmy nominations, and I got nominated again. <laughs> Why do you say it to me like I wanted one or something like that? You're always like, ha, ha, ha. What, you didn't want an Emmy? No, no, no. Especially not yours, man. I couldn't do what you did. What you did, you deserved your Emmy. No, I'm I know. Sure. I'm kidding. Right. Oh. I'm teasing you. Hello. What was the... Uh, but what? I remember Dana and Dennis were talking about the Emmy nominations. They go, I don't know, man. You're carving. I think you're going to get... It. I didn't think I was in the running at all. I hadn't done the liars much. And, you know, it was a tough year. And then... The nominations came out, and I was nominated again. And what? Category? And they go, "Oh, you knew." I go, "I didn't know." What category do you get nominated? It was outstanding individual performance in a variety show, special or series, starring John Lovitz. So you know, the year before, well, the year before, you know, it's a grab bag. The year before, the nominees were—I think I said this last time—the nominees were uh, uh, Patti Labelle. Whitney Houston, Debbie <laughs> Allen, Sarah Vaughn, Stevie Wonder, and me. <laughs> and I remember they showed the clip and, at the Emmys and Sammy Davis Jr. was behind me. He goes, what are you, the token? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the next year, there was Robin Williams was in there, Billy Crystal. So I was, you know, thrilled to be in a company with those guys, you know. What, next year you got nominated as well? I got na- yeah, I got, nominated two, I got nominated two years in a row. Two years in a row. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> two years in a row. And then I think they pulled my name. Um, but wait, you got nominated two years in a row. It's excellent. Well, yeah, it's two, you, no, two many, nominations how many uh, you know, equals no, one win. How many years in a row did you win, though? How many years in a row did I win? The, I won the third year because you take the first two years and you put them together, and, and that, that equals a win. The, win. the honorary? I never won. But, you know, two yeah, nominations. Yeah, it was awesome to be nominated and whatnot. Oh, yeah, it was Did, Was I, there ever was anybody thrilling. in the cast ever like, why fucking you? Why you? All of them. <laughs> yes. Nobody mentions it. And then the next year... Nobody mentioned it on the show like, congrats, man. No, nobody. And then, so the next year, there was a... I was doing a Picasso sketch, 
Anyway, I'm in, I'm in the, you know, you only have like a, sometimes you have a minute to get ready or two minutes. So I finished some sketch. I'm in the hallway and I run into Jesse Dillon, who I, who's one of Bob Dillon's son and nice guy. And I met him through Sean Penn. And Jesse goes, oh, hey, John. I go, hey, Jesse. And I'm going to the thing. He goes, well, let's get it. Well, can I get your number? I go, well, I got to get ready. I go, well, all right, here. So I stop for a second, give him my phone number. I get a bald cap on. I do the sketch where I'm Picasso. It's really funny. But at the end of it, you see my ball cap like inching up. <laughs> so they complained I didn't get it. My, I didn't get it, have enough time to get my ball cap on. So on Monday, they started saying, well, we got to talk. So Jim Downey goes, well, okay, John, you're all, which is true. I go, you're always late. And I just go, fuck you. And I just went ballistic. I just started screaming at him. I go, I get nominated for Nanny twice. You don't even fucking mention it, you fucking ass. I just went, I was so angry. Why are you whispering? Like when you tell the story. Well, I don't want to scream on the mic. But I was so pissed. Because, they, because it was just so competitive. I go, I, I go, get nominated for an Emmy, you don't even mention it, you know. Like, like the, I think our a third year or something, they would just make fun of any success you have. Or if you got any, they just wouldn't say it. So like one time, Dana Carvey and I, we got offered a commercial for uh, American Express for the Super Bowl. And I go, I don't want to do commercials. And when the money got to be so much, Dana goes, John, it's this much. And I go, all right. So, well, I was wrong. We do the commercial, and USA Today ranked number one, and then, um, and we got a movie deal. Off of the commercial? Off of the commercial, yeah. And then we get offered it again, like, two years later, another commercial. So then we're in the writer, you know, back in the show, and I remember Jim Downey goes, oh, oh, you did that American, you know, he's being sarcastic. And I love Jim, but he was like, you know, trying to mock it. Oh, you did an American Express commercial. We go, how much did you get for that, John? Like a hundred grand. And I go, try a house. <laughs> and everybody got real quiet. I was like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was very, <laughs> it was very competitive. I mean, it was, you know, everybody was very blunt. You know we loved each other, but it was very blunt. Huh? Did, did they let you know by the end of season two that you were for sure coming back season three? Yeah, then I knew. Or your season three? I, I, then I knew I was coming back, but I, but I didn't, I didn't know. After the first year. But yeah, I knew I'd be coming back. But season three, we only did 13 shows because there was a writer's strike. Okay. We'll hear all about that on the next episode. Don't start talking about it now. One we'll time. save that. No. I, no. Got. No. Late. What was your favorite thing on the season, that, uh, on the, um, your favorite character to play that season, though? Oh, Master Thespian by far. Of all of them? Oh, yeah, because I loved acting, and it was like Lawrence Olivier, Basil Rathbone, and especially John Barrymore, and my acting teacher from college, William Needles, who taught me Shakespeare. And so it was just, and it was all about acting, and I just, I was just so thrilled, you know, they built a set, and then John Lithgow is a great actor, and he wanted to do it, you know, and, and it was just, and then every time he hosted, he, they go, how about Master Thespian? He goes, yeah. You know, I mean, every week you got to act with the big, I mean, look at this kid, the biggest, one of the biggest movie star, you know, Charlton Haston, William Shatner, Bill Murray. Did you ever get to Martin. appreciate it or was it going by so quickly it's only you can look back when it's done? Like oh, I, I appreciated it then, but I'm not going to lie, there'd be weeks where I'd go, get me off this fucking show, you know, it was so competitive, it was crazy. And I remember Kevin Nealon said it, he goes, you know, every week it's your highest high and your lowest low. Why can't it just be fun all week? But it would just always be something where you think you'd have a sketch and they go, no, you're not in it. And you... It was just constantly up and down. But then you finally did the show, and you were, I remember, I can't tell you how many times on Saturday, it would be 5.30, we'd break for dinner, 
And I was just, I was just completely spent and exhausted. I go, how am I going to do a show in six hours? I go, I want to go to bed now. And they didn't have Red Bull. They didn't have five-hour energy. They didn't have anything. I didn't drink coffee. They did have cocaine. Well, I, but I didn't do cocaine. I didn't do any of that. Fair enough. They had it, but I didn't do it in a... You know, and and if I did, the show was ninety minutes, and I'd have been done in five minutes. <laughs> so it was just, but what, so what would get me going was the music. The music would start. Right. It's Saturday, Don Pardo. It's Saturday Night Live. You know. And then I remember uh, Don, I, I, when I first got the show, I said, "Don, I have to." T-, and I was sincere. I go, "I'm so thrilled that you're saying my name because you heard the original cuts: John Belushi, Jane Curtin, Dan Aykroyd. So now it's the same guy saying my name." I go, I'm so thrilled. I just want to tell you, I, I just, I love it. Well, he loved that. So he goes, John, you notice I give your name an extra punch. And he would. So yeah, he'd John Lovitz. Jackson. John Lovitz. Yeah, and he would just, you know, he goes, did you hear it? And I go, yes, yes, thank you, you know. <laughs> yeah, he would do that, you know. And it, Oh, it was thrilling. I, I Listen, I was so, I never got, the whole time I was on the show, I couldn't, the people say, what do you, show are you on? I still do it now. I go, Saturday Night Live. But I couldn't say that. I go, Saturday, Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. Okay. I couldn't get it out. I couldn't believe I was on the show. I never got over the fact that I was on it. I just never, I, I loved it and I was thrilled to be there. But I just, I never, I just, every week I was like, holy shit, I'm on this show. It's sweet, dude. You played the game like you could see it. Like I said, I watched this season, and as I was preparing tonight, looking over every one of these on the list, I was just like, oh, my God, I remember what I was doing then. I remember what I was doing then. And you gave me, a young fat kid, something to do on Saturday night, someone to look up to and look uh, forward to. Well, thank to you, Kevin. That's meeting. very sweet so of you to thank say. you for that, sir. It's an honor, years later, to be sitting here in your club doing this with you. Did you all have a good time this evening, ladies and gentlemen? Give it up for the pod father, man. The great John Lovitz. Thank you, thank you. Next time we... You want to do, we gotta move on. You want to do that? You want to do that this time? I want to do it, it next time. Next time the season is quick, so we'll have plenty of time to do it then. You want to do it now? All right, fuck it, let's do it now. Let's do a little q and It's your club, man. Fucking, let's do some Q&A. Go ahead, questions. There you go, go ahead. See? Question? Questions are for him. Yeah. <laughs> for John Lovitz, not yeah, me. Yeah, but do some more. Uh, go ahead. Question for Lovitz. Hey, John. There you go. Uh, uh, human. Oh, my God. Yes, somebody else? Any funny stories from funny rat stories race? Funny stories from rat race? Mm, no. It was fun to make. It was really fun. And I got a cat out of it, which ties into your question. A real cat. All right. Not the human cat. From Nevada. No, a cat. How many cats It was a blast. Well, one just died. Really? Oh, my God. So How I, long? How now long I have, now I have eight. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not a cat lady. I have 14 years. Willie. Willie Mays Lovitz. What a cat. Willie Mays Lovitz? He could talk. The, you know, well, people don't... If they have cats, cats talk. Right? So he would, like, be on my bed. 
His cat was so great. He'd be in my bed and he would jump down and five seconds later he'd be screaming like he was completely lost. <laughs> he was just on the bed. He jumped down and he's a cat. He can see in the dark. He's slipping out. So I had a girlfriend and I go, I go, look at him. He acts like he's lost. And all of a sudden he goes, I'm lost. <laughs> like clear as a bell. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> he said it. <laughs> and no, I don't do drugs, so. <laughs> I think that was going to be the next question. Next question? Yes, sir. What became of the film deal with you and Dana Carver that came from the American Express ad? Yes. Oh, I don't know. I think it was, oh, it was a movie Robert Smigel wrote called Tucson. I don't know. We, I don't know what happened. We didn't do it, or Dana goes, let's do it. I go, but there was no script. I don't know. It, it never happened. A lot of that stuff would happen. It was disappointing. You think, well, I'll get something else. I'll get something else. And then you don't realize, no, you won't. But you get so much heat, you think, like, I'll be picky. And then all of a sudden it's gone. You go, like, wait, wait, wait. I'll do that. <laughs> what happened to the liar movie? The, well, the, the, I don't know. Lawrence, Lawrence, they changed their mind. I don't know. The studio said they didn't get the script in time. It, it never happened. It was very disappointing. Because I really thought, Jesus, I'm right out the shoot. I'm going to go make a movie and I'm, a, I'm on my way. But it didn't happen, but, you know, but I'm still working. So. Would you do it again if somebody was just like, hey, man, let's do the liar oh. movie now? Yeah. But they were like, you got to pay for it. <laughs> I have to pay for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, all right, well, then I own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Then I just shoot it on video for free. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, always got to fuck over the system like that, man? You're they the one who said it. You were just literally talking about like they go away. No, like, you just back. said I have to pay for it. Yeah. So what are you talking about? Because then you're like, I'll do it on video for cheap. Yeah, well, if I'm paying for it. Yeah. Well, I've got money in this club. I don't have money to pay for a movie. So right. there you go. It's on video. On me iPhone, eh? <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have a good time tonight, ladies and gentlemen? Come on back when we do the next episode and we'll get into John's uh, third season, which is season 13 of Saturday Night Live. In the meantime, thanks for coming to the John Lovitz... Oh, 12, actually. No, that was 12 we just did. Season 12. It says it right on the top of the fucking paper. <laughs> so that was my second season. Yeah. That's I came on in year 10. We can now talk this about thing, this, this thing's wrong. Now they're seeing how it all works. Yeah, this thing's wrong. <laughs> they're well, seeing Kevin, too much behind if, the if scenes. If 75 was season one, what would 85 be? I don't know, dude. I don't season know. 10. Well, I'm not... So what would 86 be? Season 11. That's wrong. 86, 87. It says season 12. Yeah, it's wrong. Uh, every, Wikipedia also said season 12. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> All right, man. I'm going to fight with you over the fucking internet. Well, I, I know. Care. I know. I was there. They're wrong. You're it's right. Wrong. The internet's way wrong. Um, if, it is. It is. Uh, all right. So we'll figure out when the next one is. And, of course, we'll do it. Can we do We should do it on Saturdays. I think it was appropriate to do it on a Saturday night. Yeah, That's sure. Fun. That'd be great. All right, man. Because we got how many more years? You got two more years? Three more years in the show. Three more years, and then my career's over. <laughs> That'll be the next after the ABCs of SNL. It's the XYZ of John Lovitz. <laughs> oh, you come don't back and know. see that. Um, in the meantime, man, thanks for being here. As uh, yeah, thank Mr. you so Lovitz much for coming in the club. I hope you enjoyed it. The ABCs of SNL. 
I'm Kevin How about Smith. a hand for Kevin Smith? I'm John Lovett. We'll see you guys next week, next time. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, give it up for Kevin Smith and John Lovitz. It's the ABCs of SNL live at the John Lovitz Comedy Club slash Podcast Theater. All right, boys and girls, that's going to do it for this show. We'd like to thank you all for coming out and supporting SNL and such and so forth live on stage right now. Find more funny shit like this at smodcast.com.